Welcome to the Thomas Industry Update podcast, actionable information for industry leaders. I'm Tony Uphoff. 94% of industrial business leaders told Deloitte they see digital transformation as a main strategic priority going into 2020, but only 14% say they're highly confident that their companies are fully prepared to handle the changes associated with IIoT technology integration. So as an industry leader, how should you be preparing your business and your staff for the changes associated with the future of Industry 4.0? In today's episode, I'm joined by Tom Kelly, who is the CEO and Executive Director at Automation Alley, Michigan's Industry 4.0 Knowledge Center. Tom shares his perspectives on the future of Industry 4.0, what it means for the state of Michigan and the rest of the country, and how to effectively adopt Industry 4.0 technologies by shifting your workplace culture. Hey, Tom, as we start, help me with how you would define advanced manufacturing today. It's a term that's been around for a long time, and I think it would really help our listeners understand how an expert with your level of knowledge about it would define the term. We actually define it using other terms that exist in the world. So we use a term that came out of Germany called Industry 4.0, and it really stands for the fourth industrial revolution. First was steam, second was Henry Ford and electricity, third was computers and robotics. And this fourth revolution is about digitization meeting physical manufacturing, changing how you actually make products, changing the business model that you've relied on to get those products to market. Everything about what we know in manufacturing is kind Kind of going through a transformation. Some of those technologies are transforming very quickly. Some of those are taking longer time, and it creates deep uncertainty with our manufacturers, especially in the pond I play in, which is the Michigan manufacturing community. So advanced manufacturing is about the rapid change of the digitization of manufacturing, if you will. Love the definition, and that's super helpful. Let's talk a little bit about Industry 4.0 as we start the discussion here. There's an old adage in technology that we tend to wildly overestimate when a massive technical transformation is going to happen, but then we underestimate the actual impact. And I'd put Industry 4.0 in that category, Tom. We've talked about this for a long time. We believe from the data that we're looking at and the conversations we have with folks in the market, that 2020 will really be the breakout year for Industry 4.0 as we think about it. But talk a little bit about the timing of Industry 4.0 and where are we on that journey? Yeah, you, you, that law you define is called the Mara's Law, where we tend to you know, overestimate the short term and underestimate the long term. We see that play out exactly right in Industry 4.0. And I'm not sure if I agree or disagree that 2020 is the breakout year. But what I do know is all of these technologies are not only about being more efficient or effective with what you know. These technologies taken together, if you think AI, coupled with 3D printing, coupled with collaborative robotics, coupled with new materials. They will actually change the business model that you think you understand about what manufacturing is. And because of that, long term, it will have profound changes. And 
the risk is if you don't start today in understanding it, digital technologies tend to create monopolies because digital moves so fast that once you say, oh my God, it really is changing quickly, it's too late for you to catch up. Those that have adopted ahead of you tend to get competitive advantages that are very difficult for you as a manufacturer to get up on. That's why we at Automation Alley constantly focus on pay attention to what's happening, get started, do something, learn. I'm not saying that the farm on these technologies yet, but you better well have a very good understanding of what's coming and how you will maybe have to bet the farm in the future when the time is right. Couldn't agree more, Tom. It's interesting. And, and just to give a bit of a backdrop to why, and we're not calling the year as much as we think the table is now set in perhaps a unique way, partly based on one enabling technology, particularly universal 5G, that we think is going to start to unlock some of the, the bandwidth required to del really deliver on Industry 4.0. But I'd like to go back to something you touched on, which is really new business models. We're huge believers that there is a step beyond digital transformation, and it really is business model transformation. It's going to enable new businesses. So the example for the average person that we use sometimes is we call it the Disney Plus moment. Here's a company that spent billions of dollars on digital, billions upon billions, nothing really worked. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they created this streaming service with $200 million a month in recurring revenue in 60 days. Well, they clearly have hit a tipping point in digital transformation. We think we're starting to see similar things happen in the manufacturing space. Yeah, well, and that's actually a cautionary tale, right? So Disney, because of their long history of content, can actually get into the digitization game with Netflix and have a story to tell. What I worry about, if you think of manufacturing's fragmented, many people like CBS, like Comcast, like all these others, you have to think, well, how do I play? How do I get into that? If Netflix and Disney have created this uh, world where people are like, well, I got two. I don't need a third. This is the monopoly effect of digitization. And so in manufacturing, the Good same point. will be true that if you want to be a player on the global stage, we have to pay attention in America. And, and by the way, this is the China 2025 policy, right? That, that China yeah. is trying to marry digital with the physical to dominate industries in manufacturing that they believe are critical to national security and world domination. And they're manufacturing. It's tool and die. It's understanding AI. It's understanding these various technologies as they relate to manufacturing. So it's, it's, a, it's a time of great change, but it's also a time of great opportunity. I think your clarion call is spot on. And, you know, I think what you and I are both describing is a phenomenon, if I can call it a market transition, that's accelerating. And, you know, I, I, I do think those that don't explore and invest and develop the capabilities are going to get left behind. Can you remember, Tom, when the, the rubric, if you will, or the umbrella positioning of Industry 4.0 allowed you to coalesce your 30-year career and, and understand it this way? <laughs> yeah, well, the term came out of Germany in 2012. So it's been around quite a while. And they, they really understood how the digital was going to meet the physical. And for me, one of the career stops I had was after I had uh, done this software company and sold it, State of Michigan said, hey, can you help us get other businesses started? And so I spent a lot of time looking at business models, looking at what was happening in software as related to uh, manufacturing and agriculture and healthcare. And so that allowed me to start to paint a picture of where the world was going. And I went, oh, my God, the world is going down this rapid digitization path. And then, of course, being a manufacturing guy, I thought, 
how is this going to impact manufacturing? And then I stumbled upon many years ago, the industry 4.0 term that came out of Germany. I said, that's it. That's what I need to be driving. And so uh, as I talked with the state of Michigan, it ended up that there was this company called Automation Alley that helped businesses understand automation. And it became the shell, the vessel with which we could say, look, it's nice to understand automation industry 3.0, but let's transform Automation Alley to actually help people navigate the real coming transformation, which is industry 4.0. That's how I got to this point. And by the way, I will say one last thing. Industry 4.0 all the things that it stands for. How do you accelerate innovation? How do you rapidly be able to change? Those are America's assets. So when I watch other countries say, hey, we're going to do that, I think, no, no, no. America owns that. That's what we do best. So we need to understand that I4O is how you actually unleash America's potential back into manufacturing, something that we took as a commodity and said, that's eh, okay if China does, because we didn't want that business anyway. The reality is we have to have that business and it's actually coming back to us in the path of innovation around Industry 4.0. Tom, talk a little bit more about the, the relationship, if you will, and, and how do you think Industry 4.0 is going to have a specific impact or is having a specific impact to the state of Michigan? And clearly, Automation Alley is, is playing a role in that. Industry 4.0 is going to have a deep impact on Michigan because unlike America, which is about 10 to 12 percent of our GDP is tied to manufacturing, in Michigan, it's 20 to 22 percent. So we are double what's happening nationally. And so if you have a fifth of your GDP tied to manufacturing, uh, you better have a really good understanding where manufacturing is going. So that's our impetus is to understand, hey, manufacturing is going to change. It's going to change dramatically. By the way, Michigan actually created the second industrial revolution with Henry Ford meeting electricity and creating the assembly line. And so Michigan is in some ways uniquely unqualified to participate in the fourth industrial revolution because all our assets are built on the, the second and third revolutions. So we are the most likely to resist change. And so we need a voice within Michigan that says we have to pay attention. We have to decouple and understand the risks of holding on to the way we've always done things because the world is changing around us and the rest of the world doesn't necessarily have the assets tied to these older ways of doing things. And so we're taking on great risk. That's what we focus on here at Automation Alley, helping people understand the risk and helping them understand their path to change. Tom, let's talk about the resistance to change there. Help us break it down for our listeners. How much do you think it is, you know, I, I could argue that what you're describing is cultural uh, or cognitive bias. You know, this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. been successful doing this. Why should I change? There's a lot of different pieces. Some of it is also fear-based. You know, one of the top things, Tom, we hear from our million-plus active registered users that use ThomasNet every day is they need to stay up to speed on an emerging technologies. And it's not always easy. Some of it's intimidating. So break it down. What do you think those barriers are? And how do you start to coach some of these folks in, in terms of leading you know, these organizations and, and starting that process of getting more serious about the convergence of digital and, and the physical? Great point. So we believe like you that Industry 4.0 is a cultural problem, not a technology problem. <laughs> so that's why if you come out of Silicon Valley and you're Tesla, you say, this is what I'm going to do. And we're going to just run this. Uh, the car is going to become a digital platform. And I don't care about the way it's always been done. And in Michigan, talk to a car guy. Tesla drives them nuts. 
because Tesla is making all these decisions that make no sense whatsoever unless you're looking at it from a digital perspective, then it makes all the sense in the world, right? And and I'm not picking winners and losers on this Tesla, you know, worth $900 a share today. I don't know. But <laughs> the point is that you can look at problems in different ways and arrive at different conclusions. And in Michigan, we tend to look at things from a, quote, car guy perspective that, hey, you can't do it this way. You have to do it this way. This is the way it's always been done. And so it's our job to try and get in there and shake up that culture. And by the way, the industry is so big, the companies tend to be very big. And most people that rise through an organization and get to the top of the food chain got there by not taking on a lot of risk to, uh, and not failing anywhere. Right. Yep. It, it, big organizations are designed to weed out the people that are costing money and taking risks and uh, outsize risk. Yet in an I-40 world, you have to have a culture of learning. You have to say, I have to take a little bit of risk. And so what we advise, the last question you asked me is, well, what do you do? We advise CEOs of tier ones, tier twos to create a culture of learning. Have people in your organization that are allowed to think big and then give them budgets to go fail. Not to bet the farm on the production line yet or the products that are going to get pushed into the OEs, but to say, I want you to go figure out all the ways that you can destroy our business. I mean, that's a crazy term, right? So I'm going to have a team that works to put us out of business. What would you do around 3D printing if we're doing subtractive manufacturing? How would you use AI to forecast better than we do today that could be a threat to allow our competitors to bid better than we do? And on and on and on. Every facet of Industry 4.0, all the technologies are taking together an existential threat. And if you're the CEO of a big company, you need to be thinking, where's my team that reports to me every day on how they're going to put me out of business? Using technology today. And, and their eyes will be as big as saucers if they actually would pay attention to what's available today. Fantastic practical advice, Tom. And I'd be curious on your feedback. And I'll, I'll use our own company as an example. We're celebrating our 122nd year in business. As you might right. imagine, Tom, it didn't start out as an internet-based uh, and digital company. And, <laughs> I've and used your books years... all the time. Now you're digital. But gosh, I remember that was the first place I went. Pull a Thomas Register book, find out what you need to know. You bet. And family-owned business for all 122 years. And one of the things they did, which was a very bold move, and I think it bespeaks your comment there, is back in 2005 when the company still had very large print presence and it was very profitable, they decided to burn the boats on the shore because they had been doing that experimentation in digital and they saw the future. And they said, we're never going to own the future the way we own the past unless we make this transition. One of the other things we found, though, since 2005, and I'll use the expression cheaper, faster, better to make it sort of a painfully obvious question, is the experimentation is not betting your company anymore. We're doing the equivalent of digital twinning here, where we can create parallel databases of our core platform and experiment with it before we go live and all kinds of things that aren't that expensive to do today. Are you seeing a corollary here in your advice of, hey, it's not like you're going to have to go out and spend $20 million to do some experimentation? What a great point. That's exactly right. That's exactly what we're saying. We're 100% aligned. It's, and digital twin is a perfect example. If I can model my factory in the virtual world, I can conduct infinite number of experiments and it doesn't cost me anything. A corollary to that that you're seeing creep into product design is I can lightweight products now by having the computer 
and AI run millions of iterations on different designs using parameters that I set up. Here's the parameters that, that constrain the part. And other than that, computer, go nuts. Design whatever you want. And you get these natural bone structure-like parts that get created uh, that are perfectly efficient. It's exactly that point that we need to get these companies thinking about how can I be doing that all facets of my business? And once it works, uh, you know, we're the uh, advanced manufacturing hub for the World Economic Forum in the U.S. And one of the things that is very interesting coming out of the World Economic Forum is they have uh, 44 lighthouses around the world that are really sort of beacons of hope of how you do industry foral. And they all say the same thing, that they get caught in this pilot purgatory where there's all these pilots going on. They know tons of information about I4O. They're doing digital twinning in a limited case. They're doing 3D printed in a limited case. But nobody wants to embrace this works. Let's blow it out all over the world and let's commit to it because the data is already there. But they're so fearful of, oh, this is really different. And so they don't want to act because in the C-suite, they're not really fully comfortable with what they're telling their team to go do. So even though it works on paper or even physically where they've actually done it at one plant, they're loath to roll it out everywhere because it, that requires a lot of cultural heavy lift. So back to that cultural issue. It's such a great point, Tom, and, and somewhat of a related question here. And, and this probably would be most apt for listeners of ours who are running mid-market-sized companies, smaller to medium-sized companies. Let's talk a little bit about organizational structure or staffing. And, you know, how do you advise them as they're starting down this path? And, you know, I'm sure to a greater or lesser extent, they've been involved in what you and I might think of as, you know, automation or advanced manufacturing for a while. But as they're now starting to accelerate this, are there any bits of advice you would have about bringing either new people in or organizational structure or changes around those types of things that you might recommend? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because that gets right to the heart of the problem, which is how do I build a culture where people feel free to create change? So one of the things we advise to mid-market is getting big enough that you have all kinds of departments that can get in the way. But if you're small, we say go buy a sensor, throw it on your machine, a sensor that measures vibration or heat or some other variable and it'll go right to your phone. You know, it'll last a, about a year on a battery. And you don't need anything other than the sensor will actually push its data to the cloud and you'll go pick it up off a website. And no one has to know. It's not causing any cybersecurity issues. And see what you learn about that machine. And see what takes you to the next step of, oh, okay, well, I got that data. So what can I do if I aggregated that data across multiple machines? Could I start creating a predictive uh, analytics package? And if, if I'm collecting all this data, do I see any patterns? And would it make sense to bring AI in to start looking at those patterns so I don't need a human looking at those patterns? And on and on and on. And you get a foot and a foot and a foot and you keep, and all of a sudden you find out you've, you've gone 10 steps down the path. And that applies from the littlest guy to the very biggest guy. It's just a different scale mechanism, right? So the little guy may buy one sensor. The bigger guy may be able to work with a consulting team that gets them all the, the information they need. And, and the biggest guys may be doing a whole plant at some level. But it's the same general principle. Get started, do something, and say, what did I learn? And there is no such thing as failure in I4O. It's what did I learn and how do I apply it to my next test? And that iterative circle creates that change that, that you want to see. 
perfect advice here. Thank Two you. questions that we ask all of our guests. I'm going to pose uh, both of them to you here. The first one is, what's one thing you wish more people understood about manufacturing? Great question. You know, I wish people would understand how much wealth manufacturing creates in a society and perhaps more sustainable wealth than any other industry that exists. Uh, you know, manufacturing certainly has the highest job creation in terms of ancillary jobs. You put a factory in somewhere and there's eight jobs, according to the Department of Labor, for every one job in manufacturing. That still holds true. Manufacturing is a great example of how you can bring disparate groups together to make products, right? To make things that people use. I'm a big believer in that, that America needs to make stuff. And if you can make it and you create great wealth because you make it, look at what China's doing, the kind of wealth they're creating. There is value there. And I think when we were younger, at least for me, <laughs> when you were coming up, people said, oh, don't go into manufacturing. You know, that's dirty, dangerous, dull. You got to go get a college degree and you got to go do something great. Well, guess what? College degree is meeting manufacturing. That's what I-40 is, right? And everybody's going to have to be skilled to actually do this kind of manufacturing. It's going to be a great career for people. So I, I want people to understand a lot of wealth gets created around manufacturing and that there's great career choices for them. Great perspective. Couldn't agree more. Last question. If there was a billboard that you could put a single sentence on that would best express your personal philosophy, what would it say? The future belongs to the fearless. That's what I would say. To learn more about Tom Kelly, Automation Alley, and what the future of Industry 4.0 means for your industrial business, check out the resources provided in the show notes of today's podcast. The Thomas Industry Update podcast is hosted by Tony Uphoff and produced by Makila Tierney and Lindsay Gilder. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, please email us at podcast at thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or recommend us to a colleague. Your feedback helps us to continue to advocate for industry across the airwaves. The Thomas Industry Update podcast is recorded at Five Penn Plaza in the heart of New York City, where Thomas has been headquartered for 122 years. Want to get more insights on supply chain, IoT, industrial business, and more? Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com updates.